0: Praise the Lord, everybody. I certainly do greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is my joy to be with you on this evening for another Wednesday night Bible study. I'm thanking God always uh, for His goodness, His grace, and His mercy, and for keeping us all day long. Uh, it's, it's been quite a day, but I'm grateful that we're able to come together on such a night as this to talk, uh, and to study, and to pray. Uh, God's Word is is wonderful. I don't know how you feel about God's Word, but I love His Word. Let's have a word of prayer on tonight before we start this evening of Bible study. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this another opportunity for us to come together in your Word Bless us as your people, God, feed our hearts and minds, our very souls, in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to start uh, a series on the subject of holiness. I don't know how many parts there's going to be uh, to this series, but I feel led of the Lord uh, to go into uh, a teaching series dealing with holiness, and the theme of this lesson, holiness is still right. Holiness is still right. So I want you to join me uh, about, I would say about eight, nine years ago, I I did a series on holiness and the Lord brought me back to it. Uh, It's an important subject, something that needs to be discussed, something that needs to be taught. Um, So in these series of lessons, I'm going to talk to you about holiness, uh, not from uh, my perspective or man's perspective, but from, from the word of God. Um, uh, too many times, uh, God's word has been twisted and, and turned to make us feel comfortable. Uh, but the proper thing to do is to come straight from God's word. Uh, God's word will keep us alive. God's word uh, will keep us right Hallelujah. Anything outside of God's word is not going to do us any good. Well, we know that God is holy, um, and what is true of God should be true of his people also. Uh, Holiness carries the thought uh, of being separated from the world. Remember this, holiness carries the thought of being separated uh, from the ungodly ways of this world, set apart for love. We are set apart for service, and we're set apart for worshiping a holy God. Hallelujah. Remember uh, in the book of Leviticus uh, chapter 11, verse 44, he says these words, um, for I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy, for I am holy, neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, I read out of the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, um, and the instruction concerning clean and unclean, or proper, and what is improper, Uh, and it's the scripture, of course, and you remember, the history. It talks about what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. Uh, And apparently uh, it was for health reasons, of course, uh, but also as a standard. It was written as a standard, given to Israel as a standard uh, to help them to remain separated from the ungodly society that they were living in, Um, that ungodly society that was around them. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14 verses 1 through 2, ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye you shall not cut yourselves nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. So, uh, holiness sets us apart from the world. They were not supposed to do what the world did. Hallelujah. Behave like the world behaved. So uh, here are some instructions. And of course, uh, dietary instructions uh, are no longer binding upon New Testament believers. And it's true. And that's another lesson within itself. But uh, it's because Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled Uh, their significance and purpose of those rules and regulations. Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. It says these words, think not that I am come to destroy the law. Uh, But he says, and this is Jesus speaking, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So he says it out of his own mouth. Jesus says that I came to not destroy the law, but to fulfill the law the law. But remember, the principles uh, are embodied in those instructions. So that means the principle of the law is still valid today, the principle of the law. So uh, number one, then we have to distinguish ourselves. We have to distinguish ourselves from our surrounding society. We are supposed to be a peculiar people, not like the world, but a peculiar people, a holy people. So we distinguish ourselves uh, from the surrounding society that we are living in by glorifying God, and we're to glorify God in our bodies. First Corinthians, this is what Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter six, verse twenty. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'll take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, Paul writes, he says, whatsoever ye do, do all to glory God. I should say, do all to the glory of God. So then the main object of my life, of a believer's life, is to please God, uh, to please him, and to promote God's glory. To promote his glory uh, and promoting his glory should be the primary object, primary direction of my life. Hallelujah. It guides my conduct and it will be a test of my behavior, my conduct, uh, and a test of my actions, I should say. I won't do the same things the world does. Why? Because I'm a holy vessel. I don't talk like the world talks. I don't dress like the world dress. And I hear you talking. This is old school. no. Really, as it pertains to the word of God, there's only one school. There's really no such thing as old school and new school. I think this is what gets people in trouble because they're always looking for something new. Hallelujah. But the word of God is the word of God. Hallelujah. And this is what we live by. Also, I should say the detailed emphasis uh, that was placed on ceremonialism, that uh, ceremonial Cleanliness. It was there to highlight the necessity of a moral separation. So we don't just look different. We don't just act different, but we live by a different standard, uh, a different morality. Hallelujah. We're not the same as the world. We don't think like the world. So it was a moral separation uh, in thought, in deed. Uh, From the surrounding world, let me take you to Exodus nineteen and six. I have here in the scriptures, "And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah! People who are able to pray and connect others to the same God that they're worshiping—you got to be holy to do that. Second Corinthians, also seven and one, New Testament scripture, having therefore these promises dearly beloved, mm -hmm, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Listen to these words, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we're going to be talking about holiness Hallelujah. And the fact that holiness is still right. So in this lesson, we'll talk about several things as it pertains to holiness, um, what holiness is, why holiness matters. Um, So that means we're going to define holiness. Uh, We're going to talk about the fact that holiness has to do with my temperament, Holiness has to do with my humaneness. Holiness has to do with my relationships. And holiness, hallelujah, is still important. So we'll close out with the question, is holiness still important today? That's a very relevant question. So we'll close out with that, is holiness important today? So let's go into the lesson where in 1 Peter, Um, chapter one, and I'll read verses 13 through 16. This is our foundation scripture for tonight. And what Peter is doing, the apostle is doing, he's making an appeal for a holy life. And he's talking to Christians. He's talking to born again believers. He's making an appeal to them to live a holy life, talking to people who are already saved. Why do you need to talk to people who are already saved about holiness because they need to understand that God ain't changing. He's a holy God. Hallelujah. And people who are filled with his presence, filled with the Holy Ghost, you should have a desire to live holy. Don't walk away from holiness. Don't stray from holiness. So he says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why does he say this? Because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a holy people, not an unholy, but a holy people. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation and you've heard me teach this before when the bible in the new testament talks about conversation he's talking about your behavior yes because it is written verse 16 here we are because it is written be ye holy for i am holy hallelujah for i am holy i want to tie that in with Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And you'll hear this particular passage of scripture later on in our lesson, but I want to read it now where it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without no man shall see the Lord. Hallelujah. No man shall see the Lord, not without holiness. So uh, what is holiness? And Why does it matter? And understand because uh, for some reason it it seems like we have uh, lost something along the way. In some ways it seems like uh, the teachings on holiness has been largely forgotten. Uh, For some reason people don't want to talk too much about holiness uh, and Nowadays, when the preacher talks about holiness, it seems to turn people off. They don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about prosperity. They want to talk about being blessed, but they don't want to be uh, told anything about the holiness of God. How can I be happy? Now, when you read the Old Testament, you get the message. It's a strong message that talks about holiness and how uh, to please God. And there's there is an underlining message that you really can't be truly happy unless you are truly holy. That'll preach right there. Yeah, I might I might preach that this Sunday. Uh, but listen, in a lot of ways, uh, holiness seems to be passe in the mentality of a lot of believers, and that's that's not a good way to think. I want to take you to a scripture in in Genesis, and it deals with Isaac, Um, we have a heritage of holiness. So to step away from holiness is to really step away from your heritage as a child of God. Genesis 26 and 18, it says, and Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham. So Isaac who comes after Abraham, hallelujah, and needs water instead of going to new places. He goes to the old wells and digs again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Now understand a little teaching here. Isaac's action reflects two simple principles that apply here Uh, when he goes back to the old wells and they were stopped up according to scripture. After Abraham dies, the Philistines go back and they stop up the wells. Number one, there is a recovery of old truth. Here's the principle, number one, the recovery of old truth. Um, So it's sad to say holiness today for us to teach holiness is like the recovering of an old truth, because a lot of people don't want to preach and teach about holiness. Hallelujah. But what Isaac was doing, the principle here, number one, he's recovering old truth, uh, which has been a means for blessing. It was a mean of blessing in the past. They were able to have water to drink in the past, water representing life. Hallelujah. It represented And it was a means for blessing in the past uh, because God never changes. He never changes. Why did I say that? Because uh, exactly what God did then, He's able to do now. And exactly what God expected then, holiness, He does expect now. So it became now, uh, according to Isaac's time, it was a blessing in the past. Now, It's going to be a blessing in the present. It means a blessing again in the present. So while our quest for something new may prove sometimes to be barren, hallelujah, everybody's looking for something new. Everybody's trying to come up with some kind of new theology, hallelujah, and you got to be careful because if it's not God's word, you'll come up barren, even if it looks fruitful. It's not according to God's word, it's barren, hallelujah. Number two, the second thing is no one should be discouraged. No one should be discouraged from attempting to recover that truth, hallelujah. Don't be ashamed or discouraged. I want to be like God. I want to be his child. So don't be discouraged and don't let people discourage you from living a holy life. No, there's nothing wrong with holiness. Holiness is still right. So I have in my notes, don't let anyone discourage you from attempting to recover these truths by any prejudice, hallelujah, ill will, or unsympathetic attitude against the truth about God's holiness. You know how people treat you? Child, don't take all that. You don't have to do all this, that. Yes, God is a holy God. And he requires us to be a holy people. So let's dig deeper into this holiness. Hallelujah. Let's consider um, how do we define holiness. So let's let's do this. Let's consider holiness as a noun. Um, yeah, as a noun that belongs with the adjective holy and the verb sanctify. You know the old the old mothers used to say, "I'm holy sanctified. And we would chuckle at that, but there's something to that, holy sanctify, Holy and sanctify. And when you put those things together, it really means to make one holy, to make holy, to make holy. Say it with me, to make holy. Um, so no matter what language you use because you know the Bible, uh, was written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. Uh, so in both biblical languages, Hebrew and Greek, um, it means to be separated and set apart of God. I'm separated and I'm set apart for God, meaning consecrated, and I'm made over to him. Listen to what I said. I said in both languages, whether you're talking in the Hebrew language or in the Greek language, it means that I'm separated. Be holy means that I'm separated and set apart of God, set apart of God, consecrated. Hallelujah. And made over. Thank you, Father. Holiness is I'm being separated, set apart for God, for His purpose, for God consecrated, and made over to him. So let's apply that. Let's apply that. That means I'm his child. We are his people. We are his holy ones. We are his saints. So the word applies. The word holiness, all of that implies devotion. Two things, write it down. Holiness implies that I'm devoted to him and it implies assimilation. Assimilation, I'll spell it for you. A-S-S-I-M-I-L-I-L-A, I'm sorry. L-A-T-I-O-N. So, devotion. Living a life of service to God. Living in holiness means that I'm living a life of service to God. It's for his glory. Assimilation means in the sense of the fact that I'm imitating. We talked about that a little bit of that last week. I'm imitating. I'm conforming to, and I'm becoming like the God I'm serving. Yes, I'm becoming like him. I'm becoming like him, learning his ways, his thoughts, his behavior. Any child, hallelujah, that's living in the home, they develop characteristics that are like their father or like their mother because they're in their presence. They may talk. Have you ever heard people say, child, you talk just like your daddy or child, you walk just like your mama. It's because you're around them all the time. So here, yeah, holiness, devotion, assimilation, hallelujah, in the sense that I'm imitating God. I'm conforming to and becoming like the God that I'm serving. So let's dig deeper into this thing because we have to talk about the fact that holiness has to do with my heart. My heart, the center and the focus of my inner personal life. Um, whatever motivates me, the source of my motivation and the seed of my passion. That's what I mean by the heart. So, And holiness begins in my heart. And I need to talk about this because so many times uh, when you come into the church environment, you get the feeling or, uh, you know, you start feeling like holiness is just about how I dress, Because that's all people talk about. Child, if you want to be holy, you got to make sure, make sure you have the the prayer scarf on your head. Make sure you take this off. Make sure your dress is the right length. Now, I'm not knocking all of that. Don't don't misunderstand me. Uh, But if the only definition of holiness is what I look like on the outside, then I've missed it. Because... All I did was was change how I look on the outside, and I only did it because a man told me to do it. But holiness is unto God, and it begins in my heart. Listen, there's a whole lot of people who have lengthened their dress. They've taken off their, their makeup and their jewelry. Hallelujah. They don't wear tight clothing. They do all of that, but they're still not holy because it's not in their heart. Holiness, say it with me, holiness begins in my heart. Isn't there scripture somewhere where God spoke to Israel one day and said, I hear you talking. I'm paraphrasing. I hear you talking, but your hearts are far from me. Hallelujah. They had stopped being a holy people. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. Still coming to to the tent still making those sacrifices, but going home and doing whatever they wanted to do in their own personal tent. So listen, holiness is not just what I do in the temple, but holiness is how I act when I've left the temple, when I'm living in my own tent. Holiness begins in my heart. It starts inside with the right purpose that seeks to express itself Hallelujah with a right performance. I want to do this to please my God. He's holy, so I want to be holy. So the motive behind uh my motions, my my speech, the motive behind this is to please my God. Hallelujah. That's the main goal. My main goal should be to please God. Listen, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. I want to read this to you. This is what Paul writes. He says, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He did this. And listen to what Paul says, that we should be holy before the foundation of the world. It was his choice to bring us into holiness, into holiness We should be holy and without blame before him in love. He's chosen us to be holy. He didn't choose us to be like the world. He chose us to be holy. He didn't choose us to be like the world. I'm going to say it again. He didn't choose us to be like the world. He chose us to be holy. So holiness has to do with my heart. The second thing, I want to briefly discuss is the fact that holiness has to do also with my temperament. With my temperament. Listen, I have in my notes um, factors that make specific ways of reacting and behaving. It ought to be natural to me to act a certain way as it pertains to holiness. It ought to be natural. And by that, I'm not saying that you you should no longer be spiritual. Hallelujah! Uh, what I'm really saying is, being spiritual should become natural to you, because I spend so much time with God, because I'm praying so much, because I'm focusing so much on pleasing Him. Hallelujah! It's it's not even an afterthought to be like my God, because I'm walking in. Holiness. And I'm not saying it's an overnight thing. It's a process and we'll get there. But holiness does have to do with my temperament also. We got a whole lot of people saying, I'm holy, I'm holy and sanctified, but you're cursing people out in the parking lot. But you won't stop backbiting, but you won't stop gossiping. That's not holiness. Your skirt is all the way down to your ankles but you still have a problem talking about people. That's not what holiness is all about. That's why I meant by saying we focus so much on how to dress and we're missing the fact that holiness starts in my heart. Holiness also has something to do with my temperament. Factors that show me how to react and behave in a way, because I'm living in holiness that now has become natural to me. True holiness, listen, means, and you can write this down, true holiness means that I'm inheriting God's behavior. My God, there's a song in my spirit now, and I don't know why we don't sing these songs anymore. Uh, It was back in the day when we had devotion service. It wasn't just praise and worship and everybody and praise and worship. A lot of times today, people think praise and worship is me just sit there and listen to a group sing to me like entertainment. And that's wrong. Just because it's praise and worship don't mean that you don't praise and worship. But back in the day, uh, one of those devotional songs would go like this, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. Oh, how I want to be like him so meek and lowly, so high and holy, or how I want to be like him. We don't sing that no more. We need to go back to singing those songs. There's a meaning there. Instead of trying to be like the preacher, instead of trying to be like the missionary president, I want to be like Jesus. And why should I be like him? Because he's a holy God. He's righteous. And my behavior should assimilate his. So has to do with my temperament. Listen, I read a book a little while ago um, by J.J. J. Parker, and the title of that book is A Passion for Holiness, and uh, it was written several years ago, and it's called A Passion for Holiness, and there's a section in that book that's actually entitled Holiness Has to Do with My Temperament. It's a part of the book and he goes into a section there where a lot of us dealt with in college and in high school even, where he talks about the four types of um, temperaments. And let's go that th- through that real quick, uh, because he, he gets into this and it's actually something many years ago that Greek philosophers came up with on describing the behaviors, the different types of behaviors of individuals. Remember this Seguin uh phlegmatic, caloric, and melancholic. And I may have pronounced the last one wrong, melancholic. So, no, I did it again, melancholic. So it's again, which means warm, to be jolly, outgoing. You're a relaxed kind of person. You're optimistic. Uh, to be phlegmatic means that you're cool, calm, and collective, right? Low-key, detached unemotional, apathetic. And then there's another temperament or uh, attitude that's called caloric. And that means that you're quick, you're abusive, right? Quick to tell somebody off, bustling, you're impatient. Uh, You have a short fuse, yeah. You have an anger issue. And then there's those who, who walk around in melancholy, right? you're somber, you're pessimistic, uh, inward-looking, inclined to cynicism, and you're the kind of individual that might walk around in depression. Now, that that sounds good, and that's Greek philosophy, that the Holy Ghost is more powerful than anything. If I'm trying to be like Jesus, I can really scratch all of that. I mean, natural. We all have different personalities and different temperaments. If you compare... Uh, Thomas the Peter, right? Peter might tell you off. He might tell you off while he's praying for you. He He had a short fuse. Anybody, right, walking around Jesus with a knife in his pocket, he's got a short fuse and he proved it. He pulled it out, cut somebody's ear off. We all have different temperaments, but the goal is for everybody to be holy like Jesus. So listen, the Greeks also said that some people were, were a mixed type. They, they had more than one kind of personality, phlegmatic and chloric, or that you might mix uh, melancholic with sanguine, and sometimes you just don't know what you get. So uh, think for just a second of which category might, if if we were analyzing one another, which category might you fit in? What kind of temperament? do you have? I say to you, if you're doing your best to live holy, it doesn't matter what kind of temperament you have if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Listen to the word. He shall lead you and guide you into all truth. And God loves me so much that he meets me right where I am and he teaches me how to be a holy child. Hallelujah. So, because when I read this, I immediately see parts of me, yes, Uh, because sometimes I might not be as patient. Sometimes uh, I might uh, fly off the handle. Sometimes I may not think things, you know, some days you have good days. Sometimes you have bad days, Uh, but thank God for the leading of the Holy Ghost and for his word, because he won't leave me where I am. He won't leave me in a fit of rage. No, no. Uh, always teaching, always helping, always strengthening, always correcting. That's that's my God, and he's helping me to walk down that street of holiness. Hallelujah. So uh, now uh, his point in the book, uh, Mr. Parker is saying that uh, I'm not to become or remain, listen to this, I should not become or remain a victim of my own temperament. Hallelujah. So here goes, I'm erasing that excuse of those of you who say, well, that's just how I am. That's just me. People just have to accept me for who I am. And they use that as an excuse, but stop using that as an excuse, endeavor to learn the ways of God. He's saying, I should not use my temperament, um, as an excuse to live outside of God's holiness. So um, he proceeds to note that, listen to this, holy humanity. Uh, And he's referring to the fact that Christ came to show us how to live a holy life. He was in the flesh. Hallelujah. And he showed us how to live a holy life. He was an example showing us that it is is possible for me to live a holy life. So listen, I've got to try to be like him. I know I have a short temper, but I have to try to be like him and his Holy Spirit is going to lead me to him. Hallelujah. To behave like him. Now we are the sons of God. And it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we are now the sons of God. And I'm endeavoring to be like my father and my father is holy. Be ye holy for I. So actually he's saying, be like me. You want to know how to live? Be like me. My God. You want to know how to talk? Be like me. Yeah. You want to know how to treat people? Be like me. You want to know how to walk? Be like me. So holiness is righteousness in action. The righteousness of God is imputed upon us. Hallelujah. And we have an example of holy living, follow Christ. Even Paul said, don't just follow me, but follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The moment I stop acting like Jesus, the moment I start behaving and living contrary to a holy life, Paul is saying, don't follow me no more. Don't follow people that don't follow Jesus. Don't hang around people or live, hallelujah, like people that don't know who Jesus is. That's living outside of holiness. So this is, these are some of the conclusions that uh, J.J. Parker comes to in his dissertation or his writings about holiness. I want to share it with you. The name of his book again Uh, It talks about holiness. I'll give you the title of the book now, again, written by J.I. Packer. I'm sorry, A Passion for Holiness. He says, number one, holiness for a person of Seguin temperament then would involve learning to look before one leaps or thinks through responsibly and to speak wisely rather than widely. Person with a phlegmatic temperament would involve a willingness to be open to people, to feel with them and for them and to be forthcoming in relationships and to be vulnerable in the sense of risking being hurt. Now, again, uh, he's pulling from Greek philosophy. At the same time, he's saying it don't mean nothing really, because uh, if I really live according to what I'm talking about right now, then I'm using my temperament my, my humanity. Hallelujah. I'm I'm using that as an excuse to live outside of God's holiness. So he's giving me this so I can make the adjustment. You have the Holy Ghost, make the adjustment. Don't just listen to the preacher. You have the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, and you're struggling with this holiness thing, make the adjustment. Hallelujah. Just just lay your hand on yourself and say, I need to make some adjustments. And the adjustments you should make then, if you don't want to listen to the preacher, listen to God's word. Get into God's word, his word will tell you to be holy because I am holy. So, holiness for the cleric person will involve practicing patience and self-control, you know, patience and temperance are the fruits of the spirit after all. So um, you can knock all of this out. You don't even have to learn all of these definitions if you would just follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and obey God's word. Finally, holiness for the melancholic person will involve learning to rejoice in God, to give up self-pity and proud pessimism. Yeah, let it go and believe God. Hallelujah, just believe God. Hallelujah. Just believe God. I feel that in my spirit. Just believe God. Now, I'm going to discuss something about holiness that might throw some of you off. And I want you to listen to me carefully because holiness also has to do with your humaneness. Say it with me. Holiness has to do with my humaneness. And let me explain that because. What I'm really talking about is the fact that my life should be lived the way it was intended by God that humans should live before his presence. So it involves my humaneness because i'm 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 living in this body. I'm still in my flesh. I love the Lord, hallelujah and holiness should be exemplified. The righteousness of God is revealed through the life that I live. That's what I'm talking about. And I felt you tightening up. What does he mean? I mean, the righteousness of God, meaning I'm living my life in this in this body. I'm, I don't have my glorified body yet, but my life is being lived. And I read the scripture earlier, everything I do should be done to glorify God. So it involves my humaneness, how I'm living this life. I should be living it as the creator intended me to live it. Human life lived as the creator intended, right? This is reasonable and it makes sense because God made us for himself. So salvation is about us being reconciled unto himself. I want to bring you back into my presence. I want to bring you back into living the way that I want you to live. I know it's difficult because you're in this flesh and in your flesh, there's no good thing, but I'm going to put something in you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you and he shall guide you. He shall lead you into all truth. You want to know how to live holy? Hallelujah. Follow my word. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let me lead you into all truth and I'll show you how to be like Jesus because he's holy. Be ye holy. Be holy. You want to know how to be holy in human form? Follow Jesus. Human life lived as the creator intended since God made man for himself. So we got to have a brief discussion about why, why did God make us? Why did God bother to make us? And and there's a there's a teaching out there uh, that said that after you know God created the world and the animals and all of this, that God uh, he got lonely, uh, so he made man because he was lonely. And that's that's nice, you know. It it sounds uh, like a heartwarming sentiment. Uh, God was lonely. Uh, but I didn't hear God say that in his word. He said, it's not good for man to be alone, but I don't see anywhere in the word where God complained and said, Oh, I'm tired of being by myself. It's it's just not true. Uh, because God is independent of man. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Um, he, he doesn't need, he does not need the rest of creation for anything. Um, I'm going to take you to the Book of Acts, chapter chapter seventeen. Let's 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 go to the Book of Acts, chapter seventeen, uh, verse twenty four and twenty five. It, it says this. This is this is Doctor Luke writing. This is Doctor Luke writing. He says, "God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples." made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He didn't do it because he needed anything. Even God, in his conversation with Job, uh, says these things. He, He says, you know, who has preceded me that I should pay him? Uh, everything under the heaven belongs to me. I don't owe anybody anything. Nobody. He says, "Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is is mine. I, everything is mine. I, I I don't even I don't I'm not like you all. You know? Um, no, not at all. Let's go to Psalms 50 every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon the thousand hills is mine I don't I don't need money I don't need nothing nothing none of the stuff we need he don't need any of forgive my my vernacular but he doesn't need all that stuff he's he is self-sufficient he is God you don't get any better than that hallelujah he is the epitome of satisfaction he is God and God all by himself he said, I have in my notes, Lord, your God in in your midst, the Holy One, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And I've read that verse to say, hallelujah, that he he doesn't need us. And the reason why he made us was because he, he simply wanted us. He's sovereign. He just decided Uh, So we're not a meaningless creation made by a disinterested creator or a lonely creator. Uh, He's still intensely, though, interested in our lives. I thank God that God is interested in my life. He deeply and tenderly loves me. I can't even comprehend it's a love that goes beyond my my comprehension and understanding. He just chose to make us. He's, he's just God, right? Uh, and he's in the midst. He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. He chose to save me. My God. and Zephaniah, Zephaniah sees it and he says he will save. He will save. He will save. He will rejoice over thee. And he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Not only did he make us, but he was proud of his creation. And salvation is all about bringing us back into that relationship where we can walk in his way. And that way is holiness. And I have to say this again. You cannot see holiness as something that is man-made. And I know some people reject certain things. Hallelujah. But, and, and and let me put it to you this way, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they took God's word and added about 613 more rules and regulations. That's man stuff. Uh, but the Holy Ghost uh, would let you know that you must follow the ways of God. Hallelujah. So he didn't need us, but he made us because he wanted us because he's a sovereign God. And he made us in his image. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. He made man in his image. And this is important here uh, in understanding this. He made us. And many believe, I know uh, you'll run into some uh, preachers who, who really talk more evolution than they do anything else. And I have, I have a problem with that. That's another lesson. But many think uh, that men are just simply a, a higher development or a better development of animals, meaning we came from the animal. But the word of God doesn't say I came from a monkey. It doesn't say that. It says that God made man in his image. Right. I've heard it in school. They pushed that evolution stuff. Uh, And I think one reason why man, or so many, subscribe to uh, the evolutionary concept or the theory uh, is because, uh, and and not just because they researched it or studied it or looked at some bones or whatever, but I, I really think it's because it relieves them of the responsibility before a holy God. It relieves them of It's really putting your nose up in God and saying, I didn't really come from you. I don't believe I came from you. You rather believe that you came from an animal than to believe that uh, you came from the image of God. Uh, But the Bible, if I take, remember Genesis chapter two, verse seven, the Bible says uh, that the origin of man uh, is from God. It's, it's a direct creation of God. And the Lord God formed man in the dust of the ground. I'll read it. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. Now, you either believe the word of God or you don't believe the word of God. But the word of God says God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, it's right in the word, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Hallelujah. And uh, in his image made he man, male and female. He made, in his image, he made man. This, there's, a, there's a Latin phrase that says it's imago Dei, uh, imago Dei. Um, so let me describe and, and get deeper into the image of God, because we believe the image of God is not so much as something, uh, that man has, you know, the image of God really is something that man is. Let me say it one more time. The image of God is no. It's not so much as to what man has, but it's really something to do with, uh, what man is, so let me say go further humankind humans created to be um a graphic I have in my my notes a graphic image of his creator you are uh, a graphic image of your creator a formal visible because God is a spirit God is a spirit so when he made us in his in his image we man became a graphic image of his creator graphic a formal visible and understandable representation of god and how he is that means also characteristically because god is holy and god did not just become holy God is holy. He was holy when he was making Adam. And because man was made in his image, that image also projects holiness. Now, I know sin severed us, but in the beginning, it was not so. That means when Adam stood up, he stood up in holiness. I felt that in my spirit. When he spoke out of his mouth, he talked out of holiness. His relationship with God, hallelujah, was a holy relationship. Holiness, holiness. So to be made in his image meant that humankind was created to be a graphic image of his creator, meaning a formal, visible, and understandable representation of who God is and what he's really like so someone who's filled with his spirit should eventually become more and more hallelujah like Christ and that involves holiness hallelujah be ye holy for i am holy so listen the image of god the image of god is not just a quality that's that's possessed by me no, it's, it's a condition. Listen to this. Holiness is a condition upon how I live. A condition of confrontation. Who am I confronting? A lot of times I'm confronting my own fleshly self because I'm, I'm striving to continue in holiness. Uh, and uh, it's, it's me wanting to be deeper and deeper established in him. I want to be more and more like him, more and more like him, more and more like him. So I'm walking and striving to be pleasing in his sight. Hallelujah. So uh, listen to this. The imago Dei, the image of God uh, is that in me, which constitutes me as one that God loves. It it constitutes me. It, It Brings me more and more to who my father is, this way of holiness. So after a while, people will look at you and and say, oh, especially the enemy will look at you and say, he's he's talking just like God. His ways are becoming more and more like his father. I want to be more and more like him. That's why it's important for me to continue in holiness. In holiness, continue in holiness. Hallelujah! I've got to continue in holiness, and I'm winding down because um, listen. There, there is a common command given in the New Testament for us um, that we should continue. We should continue to seek God, to seek His ways, to live like Him, to be like Him. Let's go to Romans twelve eighteen. Uh, if it be possible as much as lieth in you uh now and and he's talking about the fact that holiness now and I'm I'm going ahead of myself but holiness also has to do with my relationships that's this I'm coming down to the close it has to do with my relationships so we talked about the fact that um holiness uh has to do with the fact that uh God made me uh, and it's important for me to continue to try to be more and more like him. And it has to do with my the fact that uh, I have this relationship with him. And the more and the closer I come to him, the more that I become uh, like he is, uh, holy, holy, say that word with me, holy. Uh, and it's a common command in the scriptures. Uh, That we should seek peace between. um, okay, we should seek peace between me and him and me and you. Uh, So. A person living outside of holiness is not going to have peace between him and God. And, and think about it. And and my mind is racing. Forgive me because I'm so many thoughts are coming to my mind. But think about it in your own relationships, especially those of you who are raising children. You have peace when they're obeying you. When they're respecting you. Right. When they're doing what you told them they should do. But when they st- step outside of your instruction when they have done something opposite to what you have told them, there's no peace anymore, right? Now you're walking down the street of chastisement and discipline. Uh, There's no peace there. So holiness, if I live in holiness, then it brings about a peace between me and my God. Uh, And he says it, if be possible as much as life and you live peaceably. So it deals with also my relationship with my brother and sister. So, um, and there are the scriptures I can go to, but you're not really holy, not really holy if you talk about how tight and how close you and God are, and you don't get along with none of your brothers and sisters. No, and let's let's talk about that, uh, because, and again, we spend so much time on uh, holiness as being how you dress, and and the saints don't even get along. And peace between us is a part of holiness also. Follow peace with all men. Holiness without. Follow peace with all men. Holiness without. We like to quote holiness without, but before you get there, it says, follow peace with all men. And here Paul is saying, if it be possible, it's not always, you know, you you do all you do, but if it be possible for as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men. Second Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brother and farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. He's talking to the saints, live in peace and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Listen, when Jesus told them these words, he said, they shall know you are my disciples. He did not say this. He didn't say, They'll know you're my disciples because your dress is down to the floor. He didn't say that. They'll know you're my disciples because you took off the earrings. He didn't say that. He said they'll know you're my disciples because of the love that you show towards another one another. And that is a part of living holy. Holy, holy. That's a part of holiness, and I know some of you are tightening up on me because you want me to jump into all that earrings and all that stuff. No, um, I'm talking about inside stuff right now. Mm-hmm. He says, First Thessalonians five thirteen, and to esteem them very highly in love for for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. This is part of holiness. Yeah, it is. It's part of holiness. It's part of holiness. And, and some of you may not feel that way, uh, but it is a part of holiness. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. All of this is under in the doctrine of, of holiness. This is this is the fulfillment. Be real. Holiness is about being real. Holy holiness. That's part of holiness too. Hallelujah. I, I need to hasten on. Uh and this is getting even better to me. But listen, um, holiness, and and I'm and, and let's let's close out here. Let's close out here because I've taken a lot of your time. Um and again, this is a series dealing with holiness. But I want to talk about the fact, uh, and, and let's close out with the question. There's a question here. Um, is holiness important today? Is it important today? Is holiness important today? Now, let me say this. If if I have to answer totally on what's being observed if I answer that question totally according to what's being observed in the church, right um, by what's being preached today, by what many people are teaching today, right the prosperity gospel, uh just be blessed. uh some are teaching if if it feels good, it must be right. yeah, they're teaching that kind of stuff. If I just went through observation, I would have to say, no. It don't seem important because uh, people seem to be moving away from holiness. Um, holiness. I mean, the, the true nitty gritty of, of holiness. Uh, they're, they're going into ritual, uh, you know, and they're going into other things, but it's not pertaining to Holiness. And, and there's an issue with that. And, you know, how do you think God feels? Because uh, there, people are saying, well, I'm a child of God, but you don't want to be like God. You don't want to listen to God. You don't want to follow his word. Uh, we don't want to keep his commandments. Um, we don't want to be obedient. We don't we don't even want salvation according to his word. Preachers won't even preach salvation according to God's word. Uh, they're, they're doing it uh, to make men feel comfortable. And that means they have to leave holiness out because to be holy, I have to deny my myself. Um, so because of leadership and because even evangelism, a lot of times when you listen to the message message, Uh, that's supposed to be evangelical, it's not based on holiness or true salvation. Just just come, just have a good time. Uh, But holiness is all about having a desire to be like Christ, to be like my creator. And he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. So let me close it out because uh, with this thought, the fact that holiness is the will of God, that's why he saved me because he wanted me to be a holy vessel. After he filled me with his presence, I'm given instructions. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy, 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 holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to take you to the closing scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And this is another reason why I'm telling you that holiness is his will. It's the will of God. He says it here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'll read verses 3 through 7. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence. Hallelujah. Concupiscence, meaning not that cr- nothing crazy, living a lustful, out-of-control life even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all, such as we also have forewarned you and testify. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness." begins the statement by saying, this is the will, this is the will of God. This is his will, that you be holy and sanctified. So gird up your loins, as Peter says in our foundational scripture. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of, uh, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as He which have called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, in every area of your life, be holy. In every area of your life, be holy in all in all manner of conversation. Because this is why I'm telling you this. Peter said, this is why I'm telling you this, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is part one of our series on holiness. We're going to get deeper and deeper into this thing. Holiness is a way of God and holiness without. I didn't say it. God said it. Holiness without no man shall see the Lord. I want to pray with you on this evening. I want to pray this prayer of faith upon your life. um, Just that you would become more and more like your creator, more and more like God. That you would continue to allow the Lord to lead you closer to him. And that we as a people, of course, Uh, not just individually, but when we come together, there'll be a a true sense and a a true uh, place and a true feeling of, of holiness. Holiness. Holiness between us. Holiness in us. Holiness when we're together. Holiness even when we're alone by ourselves that we're walking and talking and living in holiness, striving to be all that God has us to be, obeying His word. I want all of this for us and for you. And if you're not saved and you're, you're you've watched this, I want I want you to let go and let God fill you with His presence. You don't need to be like anyone else. Let let God meet you where you are. Let Him bring you into holiness. Holiness is a way of life, it's not a a denomination. Holiness is not a cult. God is holy, and he wants you to be holy too. Father, I've given them what you have given me to share on tonight, and we are praying this prayer of faith. Father, help him, help her to be more, hallelujah, of what you want them to be. Striving and walking and living in in that way of holiness not as man prescribes, but according to your word, according to your will. You want all of us to be holy and to live according to your purpose. This is why you made us, that we would walk before you, that we would worship you in the beauty of holiness. Help us, O God, to be your holy children, hallelujah, because you are a holy God and heaven is a place for holy people. Help us to remember this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, listen, if you'd like to make a donation to this ministry, you may do so. Brother Craig will put that on the screen for you. And those of you who have been watching and listening from the Bronx and our sister church, Refuge Temple Annex, you may use Givelify. I want you to stay prayerful, stay prayerful, continue to trust God. And let's continue to be a holy people. The Lord bless you. We hope to see you again on next week.